this Anya? Uh, it's not. Oops. Who's so, calling? Sorry, wrong number. Have a good day. Jeff? No, this is Alex. Alex, this is Anya's dad. Oh, hey, Peter. How are you? <laughs> okay, thanks. I'm sorry about that. I'll call her on her nah. cell. Uh, okay, great. Bye. Whoops. Please leave your message for 7024. Anya, it's Landline. Uh, thanks for the message. want to touch base with you. I figured noon on a Thursday was a good time. I just called your dad by mistake in Western Mass. Um, I finally changed the number in my cell phone. We have bigger fish to fry, though. Listen to this. Do you ever get the feeling you're spending a little too much time online? Me too. In fact, I felt it so much that I started a whole podcast about it. It's called Offline. It's a new weekly interview podcast from me, John Favreau. Each week on Offline, I talk to someone from news, politics, entertainment, sports, or business about the ways our extremely online existence is shaping the way we live, work, and interact with one another. New episodes of Offline with John Favreau drop every Sunday. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. Sustainability. All right, so... Call me. We should talk about ideas I had that other people are stole and are doing better. And do I just never come out of the phone booth? What do I do? I need you to talk me through this. Okay. Uh, 503 894 But of course, you know that. Call me back, bite. Okay. Everybody, welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist that Alex couldn't afford to pay. Instead, he's asked a friend, and I'm that friend, and he's very lucky to have me. And now, Alex does his best Adam Carolla. Hey, is this Wayne? No, this is not. Uh, how can I help you? Um, is Wayne available? Sure, may I have calling? Sure. This is a customer that spoke with him last week about a hum in my uh, broadcast host, and he had offered to take it in, and I just wanted to ask him a couple of clarifying questions. My name's Alex. Okay, hold on, please. Thanks.
guy sounded like Wayne. This is Wayne. Can I help you? Hey, Wayne. It's Alex McKay. We had spoke last week about my broadcast host that was humming. Or, okay. Um, just you sent me a support ticket back saying you'd be glad to bring it in and, and to take a look at it. Um, just wanted to clarify if I send it in, how long do you think it will be out of service just because I'm trying to record some stuff and – in the event you do figure out that there's like an internal issue, is that something that then I like pay to have replaced or before I send it across the country, I'm just trying to figure out like what the logistics are going to be. Sure. So, so I would say that we're not going to have to have it here for more than, um, you know, a couple of days. Great. Uh, Probably the day or the day after we get it in, we'll, we'll be able to put it on the bench and listen to it and uh, see if it passes all tests, see if we can find anything wrong with it. Uh, after that, then we're just going to have to determine what the next uh, step is going to be. Okay, cool. Uh, if it does require a repair, if I remember correctly, this is an old unit, right? Yes. For like, okay. So it would have to be paid for, the repair. It wouldn't be covered under warranty. Um I have no idea what repair costs would be. Okay. Um, yeah, it could be that the, the I mean, it, it seems like it works, and it's just got some noise going on with it. So, you know, if it was, <clears throat> we found something, you know, a bad capacitor, or, you know, if it just needed a firmware upgrade or something like that, then costs are going to be negligible, you know, 50 bucks or less probably. If it's more than that, uh, then it's essentially going to be whether or not you want to like buy a new board for the unit, I would say. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, no problem. Okay, great. I will do some recording this weekend, and then I will just uh, send it back to you. I'll probably send it to you early next week, and I'll, I'll answer the support ticket when I do that. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Wayne. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. Okay, Wayne. Hear that fuzz? Let's just let's give everyone another shot at the fuzz. There you go. Oh, yeah. Now we're getting it. Oh, yeah. Call the landline, 503-894-8480, if you want to guess firmware, motherboard, whatever it is. All right, let's see what else we can call. Landline. Next voice message. This is Andy driving back from camping in the snow talking about coffee. I am currently sipping on a latte that I bought at a tiny, crunchy coffee shop in Calumet, Michigan, and I'm on my way to another coffee shop that I put into my GPS, basically so that I can have a coffee put in my hand about every two and a half hours for my 10-hour drive, uh, giving me roughly four coffees if I did the nap right. Uh, if intravenous didn't hurt, I would do that. but. I'm a I'm a wuss, and so I I sip it with my mouth. Uh, but that that how how critical the coffee is. I feel for you with your bonavita, and uh, I bless up to a solution. End of message. To erase this message, press seven. To save it, press nine. To mark this message as unread, press nine one. Message saved. Landline.
Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Are you there? What? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Good. Hi. Oh, yeah. Hello. You're calling. <laughs> I'm calling in. Okay. I don't know if it's a good time, though, for well, you. Let me get, uh, let me turn the forced air heat off. One second. Okay. Get your sa- let's get your sound dialed in. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm talking to you on a uh, speakerphone inside of my car. It's it's decent. Okay. But we could do a quick hit with this sound quality. Okay, let's do that. I just talk- I just talked to Wayne in New Jersey. You'll be happy to know. Oh yeah, how's uh, how's that going? It's good. I'm gonna send it in, and he's going to take a look at it. He doesn't need it for more than a few days. He says. Cool. And then he's going to send it back. There may be something he can fix for free, or there may be a charge because the unit is out of warranty. Yeah, you know, at this point, like the motherboard switch, I would probably be like seventy-five bucks versus you know four hundred for a new one. Um, I would just say, man, if there's you know if it's under a hundred bucks, just change change it out. Get it done. It's good pod content either way. So um, yeah, I thought you could definitely track track the uh, technical repairs. Well, welcome back to Landline, John. It's been several years. Um, it's been too long. One of our best guests, one of our best listeners. <laughs> um, and I was just doing my preparing for my taxes. And, you know, just a stack of different forms for the mortgage interest and the small investment loss and all the different things. I, you would know the answer to this. When, when taxes were collected in the United States of America in the, you know, late 18th century or early 19th yeah. century, was the tax man still coming around and you were paying in silver or gold? Well, there wasn't an income tax until 1918, I don't think. So there was no income tax. There was nobody coming to tax you on your income. That's a huge problem that is not, you know, there's no nothing in the original Constitution that has a tax on your income. It was anathema to the people back then that you would be taxed on your work. You know what I mean? Taxes were not collected on your income until like the early uh, 20th century. So it was just property tax? Well, it was exchange of goods. There were taxes on sales. 
Right, like okay. like that's why the Boston Tea Party happened. Yeah, well, that was when we were part of England. I know, so I know. I'm not yeah, that but, dumb. Um, yeah, so that was a tea tax. That was a tax on tea imported into the United States because Britain controlled the Indian tea trade, you know what I mean? So uh, that's why we all started drinking coffee here instead. Wait, um, Ma- Max is calling on the other line. Let's see if we can get everybody on the same line. One second. Okay. Hold on. Okay. St- stick with me. Yeah. Max? Hey. John Lucy, the constitutionalist enigma, is on the other line. Do you want me to try to get us all together? Not really. Okay, you want me to call you back? I'd prefer if you just talk to me. How? What? What's your window here? Uh, I gotta work at three. And that's an hour and a half from now. That would be an hour from now. All right, I'll call you back in fifteen minutes. Be ready. Okay. All right. John. Yeah. Oh shit! Hold on. Wait, that's Max. Hey. John? Yes, I'm here. All right, Max has called. Max just called. I asked him if he wanted to talk with both of us, and he said no. So doesn't surprise me. It's kind of a maybe a private person. Okay, so then yeah. there was still taxes collected though. Like they had to they had to collect taxes in the early 1800s to fund what must have been a giant war debt to the French, right? Um. I'm just telling you that there was no income tax. Taxes were on trade. You know what I mean? They weren't on uh, you going to work every day and coming home and having to put half of your money that you made into a offer for the president. That's not how it works. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not sure what the French, our indebtedness to the French was uh, and how that was. I think we were we I think we were broke after the Revolutionary War. I think we borrowed a lot of money and and then we were broke. But um, I think yeah. it also like fed into I want to say the War of eighteen twelve. But all right, well this is what I'm going to do. Um, your sound quality isn't great, and yeah, um, that's okay. We, we can we can talk later. But let's just do. Well, let's just. This will be a nice little hit for maybe part two or part three of the podcast so let's just do 10 quick minutes here okay. um people need to catch up on a few things but you went to work today and i know from seeing you irl last night that you were dealing with some poorly um poured concrete but can you just tell me that like what is the plan with the elevator shaft not being plumb and center well you know i can tell you that the guys who own the property and the guys who are the managers overseeing the construction of it, they're all losing their minds. But the concrete contractor is like, oh, yeah, we'll just fucking pour that over there and bang that rebar out. Said, I think the quote was a gentle massage with a large sledgehammer um, was what the guy told me. Um, so yeah, to me, that doesn't matter. I don't care what they do. Um Honestly, I doubt they're listening, but, you know, I, God bless them. I hope that, that things go well, but it's beyond my control. 
I know nothing about pouring concrete or bending rebar, and I even told them yesterday I'm not strong enough to do that, so that's why I do what I do. I'm not physically capable of doing what these guys do. They are huge, strong men, and uh, I'm pretty small. You're more the brains of the operation. You're the... You're, you're the... On that, yeah, on that site, I mean, they're, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's kind of what the surveyor needs to be. I'm paid for my uh, meticulousness. You know, so it's like I put the attention into building this giant building as somebody would put it into building a mandolin. You know, it's like precise, precise, precise. And then you have a bunch of guys coming behind you just swinging sledgehammers and um, pounding rebar. So, you know, obviously they're about a production mode and they want to get this thing built as quickly as possible. Whereas I move about as slowly as possible, but I make sure that whatever I do is exactly where it needs to be because I know everybody who comes behind me is going to be less precise than I am. And everybody who comes behind them is going to be less precise than they are. And so all I can do is give them the best, most accurate layout for oh, where these elevator shafts go. I must crash into a car. Don't do that. Uh, Don't do that. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Sorry. Um, yeah. I think so, we heard. I think old. I can. I can jack the audio up, and we can hear that horn because I'm pretty sure I yeah, heard it. Yeah, neighbor uh, All right. So, so we should. We we've got some nice momentum coming back for the for the season 43 of Landline Podcast. Got some great. So uh, the listenership is um, coming back in you know in 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 full regalia, and and we appreciate yeah. that. I think a lot of people do want to follow up on our golf competition. So for those of you who maybe haven't been with John and I through our entire relationship on the podcast, we're brother-in-laws. And um, we John took up golf very recently, late in life. Um, you know, not super, not super late in life, but late in life. Really? And um, he, we, when, when John used to drink, which he's given up um, since we last talked to him, and that would be a great podcast in itself, he yeah. and I were at a bar in Bend, Oregon, and we bet each other $1,000. I told him, yeah. I bet you $1,000 you'll never beat me at golf. And he took that bet, and he said, I'm going to beat you in the next year, which didn't happen. Not COVID, right. not COVID related, but... I, I kind of think, although I wanted to like leave that bet to the side, I I because it, it, it like really stressed us out when we were playing golf together. Um, yeah. Maybe we should just like keep. We need to keep keep that in. Like, it's your sister's money that I'm going to be giving you in the first place. So like, I don't care. And right. and like, I don't know. Maybe if we can agree to me like paying you a hundred dollars a month for ten months that. We should keep a little juice in the action, um, just for the entertainment of the guests here. But um, yeah, I was thinking of paying you off in penny stocks, <laughs> which I know you're. But <laughs> but that does bring me to one topic that we should just bang out here before I call Max back. So I was in Arizona on a nice little winter break, visiting my parents with my kids. A little go see the grandparents at a Airbnb in Arizona, and um, you know enjoy the sun even though it rained and enjoy the warm weather even though the high was probably 66 while we were there but beautiful nonetheless 
And, you know, my dad comes from a relatively, um, let's say, um, you know, high class golfing background. And so or at least, you know, that's how he portends himself. So so we're going to these public courses. You know, he doesn't want to pay five hundred dollars a person to go play at the fancy place in the high season at in Arizona, which is totally respectable. And, you know, five hundred dollars for a round of golf. It better be like the best course you're ever going to play. And, right. and, and even then I'm not sure he would pay it. Um, and I don't have the money to pay. So, so we go to one course, we have a perfectly nice time with some local guys who are fun to talk to. And, um, you know, that was fine. The second time we go to a course that, um, my dad referred to as a dog track afterwards. I don't know if that, if that <laughs> yeah. term has kind of become part of your lexicon with your, with yeah, your, with uh, your, so it's a dog track. It's 36 holes of flat, uh, boring golf, and it's a golf factory that is really just you know geared towards getting as many 48-year-old white males through the turnstiles as possible in order to maximize revenue and profit. And this all brings me to which, – which ultimately became a pretty stressful environment for me to play golf with my 79-year-old father – Um, people are, you know, halfway through the first hole, a, not a, not a beer cart, but literally the first time I'd ever seen this, a beer truck, it was a beer truck. It was like one of those Azuzu landscaper trucks, you know, it's like a four cylinder with that, that can be like modified. It's an entire refrigerated truck. Now this is. To see the beer girl on the eighth hole for a Miller Lite, you know, well, we can all wrap our heads around that. To see a refrigerated Isuzu beer truck um, 150 yards down the first fairway at 9.52 in the morning. I love it. Um, it's, you know, I get it. So then at one point the guy we're playing with asks if we mind if we he plays music on his boombox. Um, and I, you know, really – Thanks to my therapist, I was able to actually say, actually, I do mind because it's going to stress me out that my dad's not having a good time. It wasn't even about me not caring. It was about me caring about him caring. Uh And then, you know, also people waiting until the people in front of them are 375 yards away before they hit their drive 110 yards into the water right in front of them. There's that move. So basically... This all boils down for people that there's two kinds of golfers, you know, if we want to make stereotypes, which we do. That's Landline Podcast's favorite thing to do. There's Mm -hmm. golfers that wear rayon and wrap around sunglasses and have, you know, beats boom boxes and are hitting up the beer beer truck every time they hit it and are taking a full 27 seconds before they hit their shot to warm up like they're you know, Phil Mickelson before they take their shot and before topping it. And there's people (laughs) who wear khakis and peak cotton and potentially even like a vintage visor from some, you know, formerly Ku Klux Klan owned club in Florida. And they are, you know, turning their Blackberry off because no matter what the market does, they're making money and they're, you know, knowing what the bird species are in the different trees and they're trying to make nice chatter with so-and-so about where they went to business school. And, you know, both those stereotypes are assholes ultimately 
but you yeah. sort of have to pick a lane. And this all boils down to me asking you, like, what lane did you pick? And I'll just remark before you answer, what an interesting thing where you join a new cult as an adult and you're you, before you're even indoctrinated by your father or somebody else older than you, you actually have the wherewithal to see all of the assholes in front of you and decide which which asshole you want to be. So yeah. with that as background, like, you know, what are you wearing? How are you acting? What are you talking about? And, you know, how fast are you playing, most importantly? Yeah, you know, I basically, um, generally, I will wear what I wear to work when I go golfing. So that is probably some sort of khaki-colored, I'm, I'm looking at my pants, uh, khaki-colored, like, not parachute pants. I they call them, like, those pants with the pockets on the side all over, you know? Yeah, cargo. Like cargo. Yeah, cargo pants, like survivalist pants, and a collared shirt. Um, and then uh, my thing about golf, and I, I, I've told you this before, I don't really watch golf. I don't like golf golfers. I don't like golfers, although I love the game of golf. Mm. I definitely do not like the Caddyshack party down, smoke and weed, boombox guys, because those are the people that I started playing with because those were the guys that I hung out at the bar with. And then when I got sober, I realized just what a bunch of shitty golfers they are and how it's pretty much all about going out and getting drunk and just being out in the sun, I guess. Um, so I, I'm definitely not one of the Caddyshack guys. I'm not really the hedge fund type either because I am not, I don't have any money, you know, so I'm not the hedge fund guy. Your dad's $500 round of, dollar, $500 round of golf I pay $500 a year for my membership at the club I'm at. So right. I would have I mean, a hard time. And in his defense, he wouldn't do it. So you're on the same no, page with him. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, I look at golf. I look at golf myself as a, um extension of my Kung Fu. And that's where I look at golf. I look at golf as a totally personal challenge to get better at because it's so difficult it's like much more difficult than i ever anticipated it being um but i really look at it as a form of kung fu because it is basically the same thing kung fu i learned when i was studying the martial arts does not mean fighting it means to work and basically golf is just work it's something to work at it's the same as banjo or climbing or anything it's you can never master these things there's no mastery of them. You know, there's no mastery of them because you can get kicked in the balls at any point by any one of those activities, you know? Um, yeah. Like, everybody... like I was, I was channel surfing and saw some golf last week and not that anyone cares, but Rory, yeah. Rory McIlroy, who is famous enough that most people probably know who he is. He, one of the best golfers in the world. I saw him three putt from 10 inches, which means he was less than a foot away from the hole. He he missed it and put yeah. it five feet past, missed that. It's like he couldn't even yeah. master it. The guy flies on a private jet, makes $100 million a year, and he couldn't right. make a putt from 10 inches away. Right. One of the rare things I did see recently, another Brooks uh, Kepka, or 
just like hit a golf drive 80 yards across the grass. It, it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was it was it was just shit. But you realize, yeah, this game it's, it takes a, a total commitment of mind um, and body to do it. I I do wish I had learned how to do it properly when I was younger, but. Um, you know, we're getting there with it. It's something for me to do. Um, again, so I, I don't fall into the drinking crowd. I don't fall into the really, like, rich guys. In fact, I don't like the way that a lot of guys act on the course. I think I prefer to play with uh, women a yeah. lot of times. You yeah. know what I mean? I really do. My buddy Summer and... Some of my other buddies I, I golf with, I just have so much better time with them um, because the egos of guys on the golf course is, is just so annoying. I, I mean, I it's so annoying to me. I don't understand. People think they're really good at this game, but they're not. Right. I mean, that's, you know I mean? yeah. And, they think they're good, and they think that they can, like, yeah, I'm going to you know, do this, but they're not good at the game. So what what would and and will be good and be gone and and Max just called again because I'm sure yeah, he's yeah. he hates being bumped from the spotlight. How uh, funny! Um, but but uh, you know, if I don't call him back, I won't hear from him again for six months. Whereas I'm staying at your house on Friday. So right. So um, what would a kung fu? It's the dojo in kung fu. Is that where you go to the dojo or what's the? Uh, well, you know, we had a temple. Okay. So if like if if three guys who are on I just coined a new term in my brain, perma bachelor party, like their entire yeah. life is a bachelor party. You yeah. know, they've got a goggle tan and um, you know, they always know where the closest strip club is and yeah. um, you know, dipping, gotta have at least three tins of dip in the cart yeah. at all times. If if a group like that showed up at the Kung Fu temple. Yeah. What we we need to know how to deal with these types from a Kung Fu cuz the Kung Fu person isn't going to say, "Hey, no douchebags allowed" cuz I assume without knowing anything about Kung Fu that that would be very un-Kung Fu. Right. So, so the only thing that you can do, the only thing that you can do is go inside yourself play your game, work on the beauty of it, enjoy the day, the sensory perception of the sun on you, the wind on you, the birds, you know. You have to really just zone everything out. So I actually play as much as possible. I go and play golf with people I've never met before. For me, that's really important. It's like when I started playing banjo music, I got good playing by myself. But for me to get to the ability where I was able to go out and perform in front of people, I always threw myself into really uncomfortable positions where I was playing with people I didn't know, right? And so, like, the nerves would be so heavy. Like, the first time I ever did, I almost passed out, literally. I almost fell over on the ground. Um, and then my golf was the same way because I started on the range. Like, let's go hit golf balls. You're hitting, you're hitting golf balls on the range, you know. And then you go to the golf course and just fucking start knocking balls in the lake or whatever you know you just fucking suck when you're learning to golf it's a strange you know it's a tough sport but now i 95 percent of the time when i golf i just get some random tea time and get hooked up with some random dude and that way i get over the stage fright of teeing off of all that sort of stuff you know 
and it's helped in my game amazingly, just like it did with my banjo playing. But what um, if what, what if they're like? I mean, what if it's your worst nightmare? What if they're like a raging liberal who wants to tell you about how Obama was our best president? Like, what do you do? Uh, you know, you just I, I don't I don't do anything. I just play golf. You know, again, I'm not. This is not my. Do you? I, what do you say about the boombox? I want to know what you would have said so, about the boombox. Um, so that actually just occurred probably about three weeks ago up at Eagle Crest. Guys, all hey man, you mind if I play my boombox? You know. And um, I was like, I don't give a shit. And then this guy that I got teamed up with, you know, another guy that I'd never played with, is like, actually, dude, I do, you know. And he's like, it's not hip hop. <laughs> so, um, so it's even I worse. I, I, yeah, I, exactly. I was like, well, at first, honestly, I said, as long as it's not green sky bluegrass, because I can't fucking stand that thing. Or country <laughs> music. Can you imagine playing golf to country music for four I hours? Don't mind, I don't mind country. I don't mind hip hop. I don't mind anything. And then the guy, so I was like, I don't care, dude. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me because, again, it's just one more thing I need to block out and work on. I need to work on blocking things out because my mind is just always spinning and it's like I'm trying to control my mind. So maybe like the extra stimulation just gives me more uh, impetus to learn how to block things out. I, but I, so I, I said, I don't care. But honestly, I do care. And I, I, I like to go golf and have silence. You know, well, I mean, if I well, leaving on this, which is, you know, it's not about golf. It's just about how kind of bizarre humans are. If you think of the pinnacle of golf, like which everyone will know, even if they've never played golf or given a shit about golf, the quintessential moment in golf is Sunday at the Masters on Amen Corner when somebody is putting on like the 13th green and there everyone is silent. And they and there's that sound of I, it's either like a tufted titmouse or a flicker or some sort of bird sure. that's yeah. in, in those p- tall pines making that sound. And it's complete silence. And there's this like pregnant pause. And it's, you know, the weather, the humidity, the, the pink of the azalea and all the bros, all the rayon perma <laughs> perma um, uh, bachelor party bros worship that moment and yet when they go out to you know i guess maybe they don't maybe they don't give a shit maybe they hate the masters maybe they love the waste management open all right i gotta go ahead you have you have the last word yeah if you want to see something crazy look at that hole in one from the uh, waste management watch the crowd erupt from the last waste management on that one when they're in that stadium there Yeah. yeah That hole in one day. Have you, did you see the crowd react? I, I mean, heard. Was, I heard about it. The whole. I don't. I don't want to give them the clicks. That's my new no, thing. Dude, it's give... worth watching it. It's freaking ridiculous. It's like I've never seen any kind of celebration at any. I mean, Tom Brady could have just won the Super Bowl, and it paired. It paled in comparison to what. I mean, this was just freaking nuts. I've never seen anything like that. And again, I don't watch golf. I only watched it because someone's like. You gotta watch this reaction. You know, some clickbait thing. And I watched. It. I was like, "Fuck, that's crazy." You know. Um, you left them, you, you left a great message on the machine about Tom Brady. That I I, oh, I, I listened to all forty of the voicemails from the two years since I've done landline, and you had a great. Uh, it, not so fun watching Tom Brady when he gets all the calls when he's not on your team, is it? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll... changes things. Changes things a lot. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to let you yeah. go. Next time we'll talk about your love of. Okay. Oh, 
that sounds awesome. Thanks. All right. Talk to you later. Landline. Next voice message. I'm just wondering how you feel about Brady getting all the um, attention, <laughs> and uh, especially with the officiating of the game now that he's not a Patriot anymore, how it feels to see all the calls go against the other team and really nothing against uh, the team he's playing for. That'd be my biggest question, your take on the officiating of the game now that Brady's not with the Patriots. That's all. Hope you're well. Bye. End of message. To erase this message. Message erase. Next voice message. Hi, this is Andy calling from the car. I'm calling to cancel you for your shuttle reference. You can't compare your coffee maker to uh, an exploding shuttle with a full feature on it. That's off. It's not possible. You can't do that. But you could, you know, you could use, like, the Alamo, uh, the Alamo, I guess, is probably the most recent one that you could compare it to and still and be cool. can't use, like, Pearl Harbor. can't use, like, Oklahoma City. Uh, maybe you could use 9-11. Okay, bye. End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To save it, press 9. To mark this message as unread, press 9-1. To- Message saved. Landline. Right here, where are we going to call now? Let's see. The car by Seneca Hello? I'm sorry. Are you mad? Has your, Was that longer than 15 minutes? Yeah, I need you to uh, improve your sound just so your your gold content is can be good. Hang on, I'm on my headphones. Let me. Well, that was good. Me. What about now? That's that's pretty good. What about now? Yeah, it's good. I'll turn turn you up a little bit. Alright, I'm holding the microphone up. Um, we were just talking about the similarities between Kung Fu and golf, so it, it lasted a little bit long. Um, before we get started, are you okay with me doing this uh, without a mask? <laughs> yeah, I am. I mean, the question, the question is, are you okay without a mask? You could potentially get COVID again. I mean, I've had it twice now. I kind of doubt I'm going to get it again. I think your last message on the last pod indicated it might be your third time. Should we jump right into COVID? Because I do want to talk to you about Ken's salad dressing. Steakhouse? Yeah, like, did you, you probably didn't even listen to my message that I left, did you? No, I was um, doing a cardio circuit. Well, that's not true. It was cardio and resistance. It was the rower and the skier, so I guess it's kind of a little bit of both. So, um... I thought as our health and as a landline health and wellness expert that you would be just intrigued about, I mean, 
because it screamed landline to me. Um, I walked into a Fred Meyer, which is the regional version of Kroger. Um, and you know when you like go into like a Dick's Sporting Goods or like a some sort of like big box store, they have those sort of like galvanized or wire coated wire like bins that you could put like. 350 nerf footballs in if you're trying to like merchandise them because they were on sale it's yeah. instead of you know playground balls it was just full of ken's steakhouse salad dressing which was on sale and what a landline fixture i mean did you guys have ken's were you a wishbone family or were you into ken's because my family was like a hundred percent ken's all the way no, my mom always made this, like, homemade salad dressing. <clears throat> it's pretty good. It's sort of like a Greek. It's most similar to a Greek dressing. Mm. So, but, I mean, I guess we had other dressings. That's, just, that's the only one that I remember. Ken's is good, though. I mean, I got no, I got no issue with it. Ken's Italian was big, and this was Ken's blue cheese. And I remember when I was in Boston a few years ago, I was, like, driving west of Boston on Route 9, like, past the Natick Mall. And there in front of me was Ken's Steakhouse, the original. Where oh, all, really? Yeah, unless it was, like, a reproduced, like, version of it, like they were, like, showing what it would have been if Ken's Steakhouse had been in actual existence. Um, it probably wasn't that. Can you can you just give us like a rundown of what to look out for in salad dressings? Because I know I know we've had a lot of conversations off the pod about just you know some of the major concerns you have about salad dressing in general. Uh, yeah, I can. It'll almost definitely be wrong and be sort of making up a lot of them, but I'd be glad to. Okay. Well, it's too much sugar, right? I think it depends on which one you get. I mean, you can look on the ingredients and it'll tell you how much sugar's in it. Yeah. I think the seed oils are kind of the, the big one you want to watch out for because those are pretty bad for you. And I think that they're in a lot of the, like mass-produced salad dressings. That's what I would look out for, certainly more than the sugar. Okay. Um, also, just keep in mind that some of them are like, super high in calories, like you know, blue cheese especially is going to be, I think, usually over 150 calories per serving. And salad dressing servings are usually two, I think, tablespoons or teaspoons, which is considerably less than a normal person is going to use. So, you know, you might think you're having a, uh, a, a low-calorie meal, and in reality you're putting on, like, 500 calories in just dressing. I thought bringing up Ken's would be like the equivalent of bringing up Lethal Weapon. You would just like jump all over it. So obviously I didn't, I guess I just didn't do my research as, as well as I should have. Yeah, I don't know why you would have thought that. Um, so um, speaking of masks, I've been noticing that there's kind of like a weird mouth situation that we now have to deal with. Like, are you noticing now that the people that you haven't been seeing without a mask for the last two years, like you see their whole face and you are shocked? Yeah, it's a weird thing when you like envision what somebody will look like based on the top of their face and then they don't look like that. 
it sort of like throws you off. I find myself staring at people's like teeth a little bit. Well, I mean, I've um, kind of been around a, a no mask crowd for roughly the last two years, so it hasn't been that much of an issue. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the whole mask thing is like totally weird. It's a weird thing. Wear a mask to cover your face all day. It's weird. What's up with the movie theater? Have you been back since the last mask incident? Oh, when I got punked by that teenage girl? Yeah. Can you tell that story? Do you think you have the uh, energy? Uh, sure. Um, I'm trying to think of what I went to see. Do you remember what I told you I was going to see? Oh, it was Death on the Nile, I think. So I'm a pretty big Poirot fan. I don't know if our listeners know that. Um so I went to see Death on the Nile, and I wasn't wearing a mask, and um, the girl at the register was, you know, fine with it. She's like a normal person, and so I got a ticket, large popcorn, large Pepsi Zero, and I was sneaking in some uh, M&Ms just between you and me, and then the, like, manager came over, who was probably 18, 19-year-old girl. And she was just like, oh, well, you have to have a mask on to come in. And I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, first of all, I'm already in. Like, what, what's the point of this? But I was like, oh, well, um, I don't have one. And she's like, well, you need one. And I said, okay, well, do you guys provide them? And she said, no. And I said, okay, well, I don't have one. And, you know, I kind of held up my ticket because I'd already bought the ticket. As in, like, obviously, I'm not going to leave now. And she just sort of shrugged her shoulders and I shrugged my shoulders, and uh, we had kind of a tense, you know, 30 seconds or so. And uh, I said, okay, I guess I'll go back to my car and get a mask. <laughs> so I went and got one and came back. And uh, turns out she was, she was stubborn as a mule, as they say. So have you the been... Most, go ahead. It's the most embarrassed I've been by a teenage girl, I think, since I was a teenage boy. Wow. So, yeah. And then, like, how you're sitting in the theater, how long does that just sort of filth of embarrassment, which I can feel myself right now, like, kind of lay over you? Like, once the movie started, was it all kind of water under the bridge, or were you dreading having to see her on the way out? Well, I took it off as soon as I got, like, out of her eyesight. Um, but, like, I mean, I as much as I disagree with her stance on masks i'm i appreciate her stubbornness and her sort of commitment to sort of uh things that don't really make sense because i sort of have my own my own things that i'm committed to that are sort of preposterous so you know she she won my respect i'll say but yeah it was embarrassing well the the second bout of COVID that you had was, um, I think, the last time we heard from you. So I guess for many of the listeners who never got COVID, is there any sort of lasting notes you can tell us about um, the experience? Like, what was it like to have COVID from a physical standpoint? Um, it was like a cold, like a regular cold, but more mild for me, at least. Um the losing your taste and smell is the weird part. And it still is messed up. 
kind of sucks, actually. It's like everything tastes or smells like kerosene to me. Not everything, but a lot. I'm sort of used to it now, but uh, it's not ideal. How do you know what ker- but, kerosene tastes like? Just from smelling it? Yeah, just from smelling it. So, like, what's the worst thing? Like, what's the, something you know if you take a big bite of will, like, taste terrible? Is it like is it like that? Like coffee. Like any type of cheap, even, like, expensive coffee sort of does, but cheap coffee tastes terrible. Mm. So that's kind of a bummer because I like to drink coffee. Has that forced you into, like, a milk and, like, you know, sugar honey situation? Or have you tried to dump? It did at, it did at first, but that that like makes it taste worse almost like sickeningly sweet um so i'm just kind of i just sort of deal with it sucks and what about and then like like cooking food like food being cooked smells like kerosene also do you know why do you think that is like what did it the virus is like in your olfactory system and like won't leave like what happened oh no whatever those chinese put in it really And you know what's you know what's like like particularly just insane to me is that I can say and I have been accused of being prejudiced several times for saying that I think the the COVID came from the lab in Wuhan. And people are like, Oh well that's prejudice. And to say that a lab, a disease came from a sophisticated lab by accident, I think is considerably less prejudiced than saying, hey, look at how weird these disgusting little people are over there. They're eating soup with flying rats in it, and it's causing a disease that's spread across the world. I don't, it's, it's absolutely preposterous to say, that it's, to say that that's less prejudiced than saying, yeah, these you know, scientists accidentally leaked a, a virus. Yeah, but, like, where are you getting the, like, who's saying that's prejudiced? Who said that? People are always talking about that, like, sort of straw man of, like, oh, you can't say it came from, like, you can't say it came from, like, who said that? Did someone literally be like, you can't say it came from a lab in China? Yeah, I've been told that by multiple people. Wow. Well, now they're saying it did come from the uh, wet market again. Did you get? Did you get into that? Oh, really? Yeah. No, that's it's the new like two weeks ago. It's back to the wet market. Well, that's what I always thought, anyway. <laughs> um. All right. Well, what's uh? What sort of landline topics do you want to talk about? I my my uh. I know I'm the host, but I'm sort of striking out here in terms of stoking a, a your usual fire. Um. I just got pretty fired up about the behavior on golf courses but i don't really think that that's in your uh in your um you know range of influence i don't think the war in ukraine is very um politically correct any way we slice it um, the, the more i look into it the more i think there's there's a lot to the story that we're not getting it feels you mean because they say it's going so good and it can't be no, I think that like, I think that the reasons that Putin is giving, I think that there's more validity to them than we're, um, you know, being fed, so to speak. Not that it 
not that he should be doing it, but I think that some of some of the things that he's saying are there's a, a grain of truth to them. Um, like how it was that, it was part of the Soviet Union and just got taken away, and then the West just keeps like encroaching on their territory. Partially, I think that there is like a neo-Nazi element in Ukraine and in um, the government and the military there. And I think that in some of those disputed like regions of Ukraine, um, that there probably are a lot of people who would prefer to be part of Russia there. Um, and, you know, if Ukraine wants to be part of NATO, then I think that they should be. But at the same time, I can understand why Putin would, you know, be against that. I think that that's like sort of a legitimate concern from Russia's standpoint. Right. Great. At the same time, Russia could not be like such a disaster, and then we wouldn't really have a need for NATO. So that's another aspect of it. Let's like maybe go to something more interesting to me, like delivery food and how you hate it. How are we going to get you jump started on delivery food? I feel like I feel I'm, I I I apologize for uh, not being more prepared because I got thrown off when John called me, but. Um... We need to, we the need... not the not doing delivery food, it's ended up becoming, it's sort of a hassle. Like I've been burned by it several times because I don't do it. I think it's fundamentally wrong. So a lot of times, instead of like ordering a pizza or whatever, I'll go to Food Line and get like a frozen pizza or get one of their pre-made pizzas and heat it up and or you know do all this other stuff. Get their like fried chicken. When I want something that's, you know, not healthy. And every single time the food that I get is terrible. And if I had just ordered a pizza and had it delivered, it would have been good. Now, you're not even okay with, like, calling Sal's Pizza, you know, 6432966. That's the CNA number. And, like, having the proprietor answer and then make you a pie and, like, send the hippie out to deliver it to you. Like, you're not even okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, it's the apps that bother you, right? Yeah. Yeah, the apps certainly. But I don't know if that even, I don't know if the original option even exists anymore. Like, I don't know if there are delivery guys anymore. And what are you, like, how are you now, given that you kind of run with such a younger set and you're involved in the, you know, CrossFit universe that I assume is pretty sort of tech forward like when you're hanging out with a bunch of buddies and it's like what should we do for dinner like you're at like an apartment party and it's like we're gonna order food like are you just holding your tongue about your hatred for the delivery apps are you like pontificating are you pulling a me and like running your mouth for 25 minutes until you figure out the next day that everyone hated what you're saying like what do you do Uh, question usually we like go out to these outdoor breweries and they like serve food there. But actually hasn't, hasn't been that much of an issue. What about all the other like app? I mean, what is it that, tell us why you hate the delivery apps. I mean, I hate them too. I just think that the, the idea of somebody just driving their Toyota Camry around with like three different phones, one for Uber, one for Lyft and one for, you know, postmates and that's their like existence just clogging the roads and burning gas and like delivering single-use containers full of kfo meat 
from one place to another is a reflection on society breaking down. But what do you not like about it? Well, I'm against it because it's lazy, first of all. And it, like, it limits the human interaction. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a step towards our downfall as a species, I think. Do we, do we think that this, the, the sort of self-driving cars and the metaverse and like like living on Mars, like do we think there's a chance, even though like everybody loves to talk about how Elon Musk is the genius that's going to be the next Henry Ford and it's going to be so amazing to get rides around in self-driving robot cars that you know, run on battery and all this stuff. Like, is there any chance that that stuff just doesn't work out? Because I feel like there is. Like, how are there not more people wondering whether or not these are good ideas? Well, I think all that stuff will work out eventually, right? I don't know. Maybe. You think you're going to be able to just, like, well, do you do Uber? Will you do Uber? I'll do Uber. I, I hardly ever do, but I'm I will do it, yeah. So like you're you're gonna you know you're gonna go out to the bar maybe you walk but you need to ride home like you expect you're gonna be able to call up some sort of like personless autonomous vehicle that will pick you up at the bar and just like it'll be like one of those British taxis that has four seats facing each other and you just get in and CNN is on and you're just gonna get like a nice you know uh, sound free ride home with neon lights and just looking out the window, you think that's something that's going to exist in your lifetime? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, like, anytime soon, but eventually, yeah. Wow. I would prefer a human driver. You know, you get a little back and forth going. They can tell you about, you know, what part of Africa they're from, and you can ask them how hot it is there, which is what I do. Um, <laughs> and they always say, yeah. and they always say really hot. Yeah, it turns out it's really hot, always. Oh God! And you think do you think people are going to be walking on Mars before we're dead? Um, oof, I don't know. That's a good one. I mean, maybe things things sort of uh, things speed up exponentially. I mean, if you think about how recently we didn't even have cars, and now we have spaceships, and that's within certainly well within a hundred years, I think. Maybe not within a hundred years, well, like, but well, yeah, close, well, sure, close 100, to hundred and twenty-five. Yep. Yeah, so things increase exponentially in that regard. I don't know. I'm I'm probably not the best person to ask about space travel, but I think that in our lifetime, we'll have humans on Mars. Yeah, maybe not. Probably not. And is that like know. is that a nothing burger for you? Like when you when you're flipping around and you see that you know. There, the first like space tourism happened. Do you care? Are you mad about it? Are you? Do you, is it a, just a nothing? What what is what is your reaction to like Richard Branson flying up in that craft to the to the stratosphere? Well, it'll be interesting when it happens. It's kind of a nothing burger now because it's not really happening. Well, they're doing like, they're doing it. I'm they a just... big alien guy. When we when we discover aliens, that's going to be big. <laughs> I'm looking we, forward to that. 
Ah, I just I think it's so interesting how I've been talking about this, just how narcissistic we are that we think all of this stuff is going to happen when we're alive. Like there's going to be a nuclear holocaust. There's going to be alien landing. We're going to live on Mars. We're going to, you know, use fusion to power everything. It's like it seems like a pretty busy time of, you know, what about the the computer chip in your brain and then like the metaverse what about you know it's just it seems like it's a lot People, well, all those things are happening in our lifetime or at least potentially could but there's not some wholesale societal change to be using all that stuff that i like i imagine i'm still going to be like going to the grocery store when i'm like 75 well if, if there still are grocery stores i mean the the amount of people who actually go into the grocery store is way less than it was five years ago. So who's to say that there will be anybody going into the grocery store twenty five years from now? Because of like it'll be like inst- it'll inst- be like the weirdos like you and me who seek out the one store that's like a novelty store. It's like hey, you can actually go in and pretend to to go grocery shopping like you used to. Oh, you would have loved this. When we were in Arizona, my dad, like, refuses to read the pa- newspaper on online. So, yeah, of course. So, you know, like, at least a third of all the daylight hours were spent kind of thinking about, discussing, and then searching for a, new, a, a paper copy of the New York Times, which isn't uh-huh. only because he likes the New York Times, but because it's, like, really one of the only nationally distributed papers, right? So... We kept on going to, you know, we went to the lobby of fancy hotels. We went, Starbucks doesn't, <laughs> se- Starbucks doesn't sell it anymore. Uh, Whole Foods doesn't sell it anymore, which was a shock. Um, okay, so finally. So just a convenience store. Convenience stores, no dice. You can get, like, the Arizona Republic or whatever it's called. Something that's just, like, telling old Barry, Barry Goldwater stories. So... Finally, it dawns on me that Barnes and Noble, your favorite store, could be an option. Yeah. So I drive like 17 minutes on the highway to a Barnes and Noble in a rainstorm in the desert, which is you know pretty apocalyptic unto itself. Yeah. Get to Barnes and raining frogs. Raining frogs like uh, Magnolia. Like, really wish you had been there with me for this trip. Um, get to. Get to Barnes and Noble and um, go up to the cheery salesperson. I'm like, "Hey, do you guys have newspapers?" And she's like, "No, we do not." <laughs> and then I was just kind of wondering, like, you know, when you're in a Barnes and Noble, you wonder what exactly, how does this place exist? Like, how does? I'm glad it does, but I think it's the coffee, like the sales from the. And um, so I got my kids some made-in-China plastic board games to play in the rain and left and checked out the Fry's next door, which is also a Kroger-owned supermarket chain, and they had every single newspaper, USA Today, Barron's, Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times. So there you go. If you need a New York Times, go to a Kroger-owned store, but... Like the when was the last time you went to Barnes and Noble? Are you still going? 
Yeah, I go. Um, a lot. And do you see, like, the same people there every time? Um, no. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't, like, recognize anybody when I'm there. And, like, what's the loop? Like, what is your, do you have, like, a, a program that you do there? Uh, I look at all the military nonfiction books. So, like, I've seen, I just look at the pictures. I've seen all of them a million times. Uh, then I look at, like, the paleo or keto cookbooks. And then just sort of walk around. Eyeball, eyeball everybody. Keep an eye on things. <laughs> are, you ever, are you ever making purchases? Uh, I bought both of Saul's books there. Wow, full price? Full price hardcover. That's... I bought actually a, I'm glad you mentioned that, I bought a Christmas present for Noah that I had forgot, totally forgot to send to him. So I got to get on that. All right. Well, it sounds like you got other stuff to do, so I'm going to let you go here. Um, I got a few minutes. Can you, um, what's your take on leftovers? Like, I just cleaned out five different Tupperwares full of rotting leftovers, and I thought I was good at eating them all, but I, it, it turns out maybe I'm not. I know you do a lot of food prep. Do you have a leftover problem? Um, kind of probably the same thing that everybody does. Like, I'll buy the huge thing of, of spring mix, and then, like, not, not finish it, which is really annoying. Um, I'm big into I go to... Um, parents house and eat all their leftovers big on that yeah Uh, i actually go to the psych ward now so annoying for work yeah you want to talk about that um yeah i mean it's not really any any crazier than it sounds but it's like occasionally because we always have to have a a tech in the psych unit which is like part of the emergency department and um so today i'm I'm what's called the mental health tech, which means I have to be the tech for the psych unit, which is uh, either really easy or really not easy, depending on who's in there. All right. Well, why don't you call and leave us leave us some messages if anything gets too crazy? Uh, well, I can't really. I guess I could call after work. I'm only here for four hours. So. Is there a payphone in the psych unit? No, I'm not there. They're not allowed to have access to phones, as it turns out. All right, I'm out. Thanks for being on. We got to work okay. on. We got to work on our material. Well, that's kind of on you as the host. I know. I thought you'd go further with Ken's dressing. I think you'd steal some, steal some pharmaceuticals from uh, the psych unit. Uh, the tech don't have access to any of that.
Landline 